After experiencing the transformative power of a regular meditation practice, it's natural to feel inspired to share this gift and guide others on their own journey of discovery through meditation. Join Buddhist teacher David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell, comedian and creator of the Netflix animated series The Midnight Gospel, for a free online event on Tuesday, May 7th at 6 p.m. Eastern Time. They'll discuss the profound practices of mindfulness Dharma Moon's renowned Mindfulness Meditation Teacher Training Program. Get certified by Dharma Moon to teach meditation, lead group practice sessions, and work with individual students. Visit dharmamoon.com slash beherenow for more info and to reserve your spot for the free online event with David Nickturn and Duncan Trussell. So you all are in the USA? Yeah, we're in the USA. Okay. I think you've met Krishna Das before. Yeah, I joined your concert, I think. Yes, in you did. Denver. Yeah. Yes, you did. Boulder. In Boulder, yeah. Boulder, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Many years ago. Yes, yes. So that was wonderful. I'm Raghu, and Krishna Das and I were in India long, long time back, 1971, oh. with our guru, Nimkaroli Baba. Oh, yeah, I heard of him a lot. Yeah. So, okay, here we are. And uh, I've been reading your book, Rinpoche. So Rinpoche has uh, a wonderful book, In Love with the World. I love that, too. The title is wonderful. Yeah. And A Monk's Journey Through the Bardos of Living and Dying. And uh, I have, of course, you you did that YouTube uh uh, video where you described your whole journey that was just wonderful so this book is uh, uh, really details out everything that happened uh, on your on your trip that, that uh, you took throughout India as a sadhu and uh, it's pretty amazing but you know Rinpoche maybe we would love to hear uh, about just your ex- growing up with your father uh, and, All right. And for everybody out there, uh, Rinpoche's father, Tulku Urgin Rinpoche, and uh, there's he had four sons, and uh, you what? are the youngest, right? Yeah. And there was Tsokni Rinpoche, Tsike Chokling Rinpoche, and Choki Nima. Nima. Nima Rinpoche. Yes. So yes. this is quite a family of... <laughs> amazing uh, beings. Can you just tell us a little bit about how you grew up and and your uh, being with your father, who is this extraordinary being? Yeah. So, actually, I was born in the, the mountain Manasulu, the right bottom of the mountain Manasulu in Nepal, hmm. which is at highest mountain in the world. So... <clears throat> In my hometown, the culture, the language, everything is like Tibet is border between Tibet and Nepal. Mm. So my my mother normally uh, don't want to stay in the summer in Kathmandu. So very hot. So every time we 
spend with mom, mom grandfather, grandma, summer in the re- and whole winter we spend time with my father in Kathmandu uh-huh. in Najukomba. So every year we go like back and forth uh-huh. uh, and the journey was wonderful. So first time the I learned meditation from my father when I was uh, nine years old. So yeah, it's really, really amazing to have such a great meditator as my father. So many people, they've been born and after that they look for the meditation teacher. So I'm lucky, just give birth and there's a teacher. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, <clears throat> and then, but you were groomed from an early age as a monk, is that correct? Uh, I really formally become kind of like go into the monastery when I was 11 years old. Oh. In, in Shirabling, Shirabling Monastery, which is the uh, northern uh, part of India, near Dharamsala. Oh, yeah. So my main uh, the head of the Shirabling Monastery is like uh, Guru Bajatara Taishidrumpachi, he's the abbot. Mm. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I went there, and that that time I was eleven years old. And and then all the way through until you you became the abbot, not of that monastery, but of of the one in Nepal that you're nearby now, right? Yeah, yeah. I have the here. I we have two monasteries, one in Nepal, Kathmandu. Right now, I'm in Nepal, Kathmandu. So he, this monastery here is more like um, a school, oh. traditional the college, mm. the monastery, monastery college, Sheta, what we call Sheta. Sheta. It's like ashram, uh-huh. but it's really kind of like go to truly study and debate and contemplation. And also meditation, we combine study and meditation together here in this monastery. So both together. And in Buddhgaya, I have another monastery. And the Buddhgaya is for the more younger monks. So we have the school there from grade one to eight. So there's two monasteries. Yeah. Mm. I'm only 70. Can I can I enroll there in Budgaya? <laughs> Welcome. <laughs> Here in Nepal now we are really developing really new way of the education. Try to bring the ancient wisdom and modern knowledge together, mm. not just intellectually study from the experiential level. Mm. So now we, what we call abiding heart. So this is now forming in Nepal monastery, and this uh, I'm very exciting. This really like what we call the head, heart, and the habit to mm. transform uh, <clears throat> three into the, from kindergarten to the grade eight. So it's a, this is a really exciting now. Yeah, formative years for yeah. children. Yeah, and if you want, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> I started kindergarten. <laughs> <laughs> so it will be beneficial for all the Young kids. <laughs> <laughs> so, Rinpoche, tell us what happened. What was, 
Where was the moment that you decided that I am going to leave all of my my roles as Abbot and all of the things that uh, I have been habituated to for so many years and just set out with virtually nothing, a few rupees, basically. How did this come into your mind? When I was young, around um, seven, eight years old, my mother used to read uh, a storybook, great story like Milareva, great yogi in Tibet. And there's uh, some other um, teachers, great uh, teachers in Tibet. So every day, we in my hometown, the temperature is quite cold. <laughs> so in the evening, normally we will have soup, you know, Tibetan soup, tupa. And then we all get together around the fire, the wood fire in the middle of the house. Then we will have soup and finish. Then normally my grandfather go to do practice meditation. And me, my mom, and uh, my grandmother, three of us together. And my mom then will read story. So I heard a lot of story about the, these yogis who go into the mountain, in the caves. And then there's a lot of song about the realization, the meditative experience. So sometimes my grandma, when, when you read, my mother read this story, my grandma will cry. No. And then my mom cry, and then I cry, and three <laughs> of us cry. Ooh, you know. oh. So, and these are really, really stuck in my mind. Mm. It's, it's there in my mind, and I like the mountain, I like the cave, I like the kind of like wandering to, to explore different part of the, um, go beyond than my circle, you know? Mm. Yeah. Mm. So there you were, and you you snuck out of your monastery. <laughs> I love that story. Yeah, yeah. I was. Uh, I want to do that, to do like wandering kind of a retreat. And I asked my father, before he die. So I explained this everything to him, and I, I thought, what he will tell me. I thought maybe he said, oh, this is quite dangerous. You have to be careful. <laughs> Normally he said, care about me. But that time he said, well, great. Oh. I was a little bit surprised also. <laughs> <laughs> wow. If you want to do, great. Wow. And don't tell the real plan mm. to anybody. <laughs> <laughs> he oh. said that. Otherwise, yeah, otherwise the people will, he, he want to go like that before. Mm. But he tell his plan to everybody, and in the end, he cannot go. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. So then, of course, I tell everybody I'm going to, to retreat, but the real plan, I didn't tell anybody the real plan. Mm. And uh, I was in Budgaya at the time. So, yeah, in the night, I went out from the monastery and got to the train station, took the, the normal Chaluwala. Yeah. And then went to Varanasi. And there's no particular plan. Just just <clears> there. <throat> and uh, I have backpack and some few thousands of rupees. 
Then when I arrived in Varanasi train station, I was thinking, where should I go? <laughs> I have no idea. I've never been like that before. So I found the, there's a small bookshop there and I found the map, kind of a like map of India. Mm. There's a lot of landmark, the holy places, something like that, yeah. I can see. Yeah. So the nearest one is the Kushinagar. Kushinagar, yeah. Yes, yeah, so then I, I, I went from Varanasi to the Kushinagar. Mm. But I love the detail in the book about getting on that train for the first time from Gaia to Varanasi and being finding a place you could even just sit. You were on the floor. I mean, this is all with the the rush of the people and uh, all of the various uh, uh, yeah from the smells to the bathrooms which we kind of well know ourselves from our first time in India too it was overwhelming and you were describing how, how you kept pushing back into your practice to of, and and getting awareness of that must have been quite extraordinary to uh, yeah, that, that journey, that train ride was a really, really amazing experience. So al- although I prepared to go to wandering retreat and uh, I was imagining that I'm on the street and then, you know, all this, but then I forget the train ride. <laughs> <laughs> right. So then suddenly this unexpected, the... A train ride, which is uh, I never went before like that. Yeah, mm. uh, it was really, really kind of like something for the I back to the practice and again lost again back to the practice. Mm. So there's a lot of monkey mind story there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh. And then you get to Varanasi Station, which we also know well. Oh boy! And you just walked around trying to get your bearings as to to where yeah. you were. Yeah. But now the Varanasi Station, I went back again after finish my retreat. I went there. Now become very nice. Oh really? Uh, it's com- <laughs> completely different than before. Oh really? Uh. Now they make a kind of a re uh, how to say <clears throat> the renovate and then the um, really. Yeah, before it was the one of the, I mean, the, the, the worst train station in India before mm. oh. it was. Mm. But now it's really nice. Mm. That's okay. Now if you go there, you feel very happy. <laughs> yeah. oh. uh, that's great. So uh, in you know, this book is wonderful, not just for this incredible story of you leaving and becoming a sadhu, uh, but also uh, reflecting on the different teachings that, that you've had and sharing those. Uh, I found that. And there's one in particular uh, that you say Tibetans have an expression for deliberately increasing the challenges of maintaining a steady mind. And it's called adding wood to the fire, which I've never heard of before. Can you can you talk about that and that that practice and relating it, yeah. especially from your this was you put a lot of wood on the fire the minute you got on that train from Gaia. Right. So what we call the the style of practice is self-liberation, self-antidote, sometimes what we call self-antidote, self-liberation, which is um, we all have this uh, 
awareness. So this awareness with us 24 hour, never be separate. And this awareness is pure, present, calm. It's like sky. So sky is always there, always free, pure. But then there's a lot of cloud in the sky. You, you might have nice cloud, beautiful cloud, ugly cloud, and pollution also, or fresh air also. So a lot of things are happening in the cloud, I mean, the, in the sky, but the sky is still free and present. Mm. So we all possess this kind of awareness. And this awareness is the background of our thought, emotion, feeling, perception, memory. All this like thought, emotion, perception, memory is like cloud. So pleasant, unpleasant, neutral confusion comes and goes, comes, goes, but all are in this awareness. And this awareness also infused with the compassion, wisdom. So awareness, compassion, wisdom is like sky. So it's really important for the self-liberation meditation, like self-liberated meditation is first connect with awareness. And how to connect with awareness? There's step-by-step practice, like you can use form, is the way to connect with the, your awareness, with sound, with the smell, with the taste, with sensation, with thought, with emotion. So from the five sense, everything can be support for awareness. Everything can be adds to recognition of awareness. Awareness with us all the time, but if the problem is we are not recognized. So normally what I call, if you have watch, the quality of watch is to tell you time, right? But if you not recognize watch, even though you have the best watch in the world, watch cannot tell you time. Once you recognize the watch, then watch can you watch can tell you the time. <clears throat> but the watch is same as before, not getting better. So therefore, to connect with this vast and present genuine awareness. First, you have to practice safe place with the right environment and condition. So we do the retreat sometime, the formal retreat, solitary retreat. It's like if you want to make the fire, first you have to start with the tiny woods, right? With not too much wind, easy to make, set the fire, then once fire become bigger and bigger, bigger, you add more growth, I mean the bigger woods. And then wind blows better. Mm. In the end, more woods, more wind is better. So that's the idea that first you have to you know, develop this uh, awareness with the right condition. Then slowly, slowly you need to face the challenge. Mm. And the challenges can be like, um, environment, physically, emotionally, lot of different challenge is really good. So in Tibet, some place, the meditators will meditate in the mountain. So what I call five-star caves <laughs> in the mountain. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the five-star cave meaning the cave where there's a stream of the water nearby the cave. 
and the cave is dry, and there's a woods around there, dry woods, dry branches. Mm. Yeah. Then that is the five star cave. <laughs> <laughs> so if you are in the five star cave, there's not so much a problem sometimes. Yeah. Then some meditators they come down to the village and town look for problem. Mm. So, therefore, it's challenge normally is really, in a way, for the sub sub transformative meditation, sub liberated meditation, is uh, eventually really beneficial. Hmm? But for uh, let's just talk about just for laymen or people on the family kind of people and so on. Just <clears throat> this idea of of bringing in. Uh, uh, piling, uh, get the, the the wood up, and getting that uh, to the point where you're not running away from it, and you're getting closer to it. You're you're forming some kind of say friendship with it. What? How yes. how do we approach that? Uh, talking to householders in terms of yeah. this concept. Yeah, I think the for the self liberated style of meditation is you can meditate everywhere, anytime, under any circumstances. But of course, first, when you begin to learn meditation, you need to have kind of the right circumstances. You need to do formal session every day, a little bit, maybe begin with 10, 15 minutes, just full-time dedication for only meditation. And then apply meditation in your life while you are having whatever your normal life have at your workplace, while you're having dinner, lunch, breakfast. So you can practice everywhere, anytime. As you develop more and more experience, then actually nowadays in our modern life, they're full of challenge, isn't it? Yeah. So normal, what I said, Maybe you don't need to look, look for a cave or go to some particular places. Like uh, even children, when you become 18 years old, you have to away from the family and you have to start everything by yourself, right? Mm. Your life. It's like wandering, wandering retreat. You can be like that. <laughs> mm. yeah. Or in our life, there's a, anytime there might have some challenges. Um, a challenge from the environment, physically, mentally, a lot of things like that. These are really great opportunity, I think, hmm. if we, yeah, transform. <clears throat> yeah. You know, actually, I'd like to talk about courage because I think that that plays a big role in, in what you're talking about in this particular practice. Um, yeah, Krishnas, maybe tell that story of of your being with Maharaji uh, and courage. <clears throat> well, I had been in India for two and a half years. Yes. Uh, with Nimkaroli Baba. Yes. Uh, from 1970 to 72. Uh, and he had just told me that I had to go back to America. And I said, but Baba, I'm just learning Hindi. He said, too bad, you have to go, ciao. <laughs> One day we were sitting together 
And for a long time, it was very quiet. He was just lying on a bed, sitting up, lying down, sitting up. And then all of a sudden, he sits up and he looks at me and he says, courage is a really big thing. And I went, what's going to happen? You know? And then the, there was one Indian devotee there who said, oh, Baba, God takes care of his devotees. <laughs> he just looked at him like this and he goes, again, Courage is a really big thing. Mm -hmm. And then he laid down again and went back to sleep. <laughs> and there were times in my life that I, I, all I had was the memory of that moment that was enough to get me through terrible times. Right. And, uh, yeah, it was, very, it was very extraordinary that he gave me that. He kind of sealed a place off that I couldn't go past that place. I, I was safe, even though it was terribly difficult. Yeah. 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 My father also used to tell me about this, the, the, yeah, like courage and uh, hope is really important. So whatever external problems, Obstacles, seeming like obstacle, problems, mistakes, whatever we do. But the important is we can learn from these things. Mm. We can grow from these things. And don't give up. Letting go is not giving up. Right. What, right. what my father told me. And he, he said, if you are going somewhere and then you reach the dead end, the road, what you have to do is first take out your backpack and crawl, throw the other side. Uh -huh. yeah. Once your backpack is gone, <laughs> <laughs> then you will use your capacity, your uh -huh. knowledge, wisdom. Uh -huh. You will cross that, uh -huh. that boundary. So, yeah. yeah, this is in my book. I mean, when I first coming out of my monastery, I, I threw my back first over the wall. Yeah. And once I throw the bag, oh, then I have to go out. So then I <laughs> went to the gate and open and come out. Yeah. 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 Mm. Yeah. It's, it's almost like we're, part of us is the backpack and we've been thrown already. And we have to yeah. follow the rest of our hearts. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I think the one of the most um, important lesson that what I learned from my father and my teachers is we all have great potential. We all have awareness, wisdom, compassion, skills, capacity, a lot of great things within us. But then what we have to do is, as you said, courage and go forward yeah. and try to guide our, use our knowledge and capacity and wisdom. I think it's really, really important. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, in another part of the book, uh, you describe Bardo. Yes. And it, you say it can be understood to mean, quote unquote, this very moment 
The nowness of this moment is the continual suspension or pause in between our transitory experiences, both temporal and spatial, such as the tiny halt that exists between this breath and the next. Love that. Did you talk a little Thank bit you. more about bardo? <clears throat> yeah. So the Tibetan word bardo meaning in between or intermediate. So what we believe is we all have this great nature, what we call basic goodness, our enlightened nature. And uh, there's a lot of word about that. But the best opportunity to connect with our fundamental nature is this gap. So, for example, if we really want to grow, if you really want to go out of our normal circle, of course, we all have some kind of a cocoon. Mm -hmm. We are living in the <clears throat> bubble. We create our own bubble and we put ourselves in there. In order to cross that, go beyond that, you have to go through some kind of gap. And this gap, sometimes there already exists in your life, but we don't know. Then the gap becomes not so much beneficial, but some people during all this great insight, all this great um, inventions comes from this, this gap. Mm. So for example, <clears throat> for me, when I live my monastery, I live my normal life. And the first what I felt is the moment of when I when I cross the, the monastery gate, my mind becomes wow. Mm -hmm. Like <laughs> it's kind of like the moment where there's no concept. Uh -huh. And then kind of a little bit like present, but the sense of openness. But then I remember my meditation, the bardo meditation, how to be with this moment, how to um, embrace huh. that moment. So then that really helps me to really become like, find courage, like you said, and find really nice, openness, spacious, and that will become the platform that I can really connect with my inner uh, capacity, awareness, wisdom, all this. So then I can transform this for my next journey. So normally what, what I call this is if you really want to grow, you have to die. Mm. Mm. So if you, if you, if you don't die, you cannot rebirth again. Mm. So the death is not the only the, the last, you know, last of our life. Yeah. Actually, death is happening every day. So sometime, the first time I thought my book title will be dying every day, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so this, this moment to accept that, 
and to to be in that moment in our life i think it's really really important so then yeah and this bardo is not only the moment of the dying and right now in between special when you are like when you become 18 years old you move when you lost your job another big gap there break heart broken heart one way is big problem but then there might be another transformation may comes yep mm-hmm. <clears throat> you also talk, i think our listeners would really appreciate cuz we're talking a lot about uh going back to meditative practice Mm-mm. and of course your father was the most incredible meditation teachers and he embodied this in such a great way i only know this by the way through that fantastic book uh, yeah, blazing, blazing splendor. splendor blazing splendor yeah oh, wonderful yes. book boy thank you um and so you talk about uh gom meditation right i think this is a very very good thing for for all of us to hear uh as as a practice and understanding the idea of becoming familiar with which i think is what gom means can you talk about yeah. that yeah yeah so in tibetan term what we call gom gom for meditation so tibetan term gom meaning meditation so what is the meaning of gom is like getting familiar with so getting familiar with your own mind getting familiar with your self so that's the meaning of gom so how to get familiar with yourself through recognition through awareness so as i mentioned before we all have this great awareness always there with us present 20 sometimes what i call 24/7 <laughs> at 100 uh, 365 days of the year isn't it mm-hmm. yeah that oh. phrase good yeah always there but the problem is we are not recognized and then we don't know how to connect with that so how to connect with that awareness that step by step practice so first we can begin with the breath in you know, a breathing meditation normally this very famous meditation sound meditation can you hear any sound now is there any sound yeah mm-hmm. voice i'm in i'm in kathmandu should have a lot of sound here yeah. <laughs> can you hear yeah we can hear yeah yeah that's all that's the awareness huh just here once you recognize awareness then you listen what is awareness awareness meaning knowing so knows what you are thinking what you are feeling what you are doing what you are seeing that's all very simple that's the that there's a cognition and that awareness is like light so when we look at the sky you see the light in the sky but in the empty sky in the empty space not easy to see light 
if the light reflect on my face now, on this video, on the wall, on the tree, on the house, we can see light, easy to see. So therefore, we have this light, awareness light, light. But in order to connect with that, we need to use object first. So object can be breath, can be sound. <clears throat> so how to focus on the breath? Just knowing the breath. Okay, breathing in, breathing out, breathing in, breathing out. Just like that. And there's a lot of other thought comes, the millions of other thought, to-do lists, you know, many people has, has a lot of lists. Can you hear the aeroplane sound? No, sound, sound? No, just a dog. Dog. <laughs> okay. So, when you be with the breath or with the sound, all these different thought comes. What we have to do is, let them come, let them go. The main important thing is, if we remember our breath, then it's okay. If we are not forget our breath, then there's a lot of other thought comes, like normal what I say, pizza. If you not forget your breath, still you remember your breath. If the pizza comes, let them come. Not only one pizza, two pizza, three pizza, four pizza, five pizza. Okay. Pizza around all over you. No problem <laughs> if you not forget your breath. Huh. But uh, the most of the time, many people got misunderstand about misunderstanding about meditation is they thought, oh, no pizza. Uh -huh. Breath. Don't think anything else. Concentration. Uh -huh. But then you think about Pizza more. So yeah. the real thing is just don't forget your breath. If you're not forgetting your breath, pizza can come and pizza can go. <laughs> so then slowly, slowly, then in the end, you can connect with awareness itself. In the end, no need support. You just let go of the support and just be with the present. Not get lost. The sense of present, sense of being. But there's no particular object. No even particular meditation also. Mm -hmm. So there's step-by-step practice. Mm. Wonderful. But one has to start with the concentration or the samatha. Yes, at the beginning. At the beginning. Yes. <clears throat> you were saying about the light in the sky. You don't actually see the light until it's reflected on something. The light yeah. itself is uh, invisible to the eye. Yes. But so it's like, like, like space here. Yeah. In, in this empty space, not easy to see light, you know. Of yeah. course, I can see light on the, on the wall, like that. Right, right. But the space, of course, is there. Yeah, light, light is there in the space. Yeah. Mm. Ah. So, yeah, so this, this, uh, this pristine <clears throat> awareness is actually so vivid, so peaceful, so pure also, present, but um, we are not recognized, just like watch. 
if you, if you have watch, if you not recognize your own watch, then watch cannot tell you time. Hmm? I have the same watch, Rinpoche. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> this is the best watch in the world. Timex. <laughs> <laughs> Awareness watch. Yeah. Uh, so one other concept that's uh, very difficult for uh, Westerners is certainly around emptiness, which is so important, which is throughout mm. this your book. So I mm -mm. think uh, it would probably help to give uh, your uh, interpretation of emptiness, thinking of us right. in the West, particularly. Right, right. So the how to connect with the space, light in the space itself, or I, I usually said we have this awareness and awareness like space, but we have a lot of clouds. So normally what we, what we do is we are lost in the cloud. We are one become cloud. So then our life, our emotion, our feeling become like stock market go up and down and up and down. So now what, what we need is we have to step back, be with the space itself. So how to be with the space itself? You don't need to get rid of cloud. You don't need to change the cloud. So the emptiness meditation is actually how to be with the space itself without changing the cloud. Mm. So there's empty and ness. So what we call tongba yi. So when I was young, my father said tongba meaning beyond concept. But the yi meaning not nothing. Mm. There is awareness. There is perception. There is phenomena. Everything there, you can perceive everything but beyond grasping. So, the, what appears to you is not the problem. How you relate with that, the grasping, the fixation of mind, that is the problem. Right. So emptiness, practice is let go of the fixation of mind. So our mind become open up, open up, open up, be with the space. And then everything allowed. Although everything is taking place, even the tornado, hurricane, <laughs> the, the cloud change, yeah. become tornado, but this tornado and hurricane cannot change space, cannot change sky. Right. Isn't it? Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's the the main I think main meaning of emptiness. So many people misunderstood about emptiness that the emptiness meaning nothing. Yeah. Void, voidness. <clears throat> so that's the, not the real meaning about the emptiness. Yeah. I think I think that I heard that it was DT Suzuki, the Japanese mm -hmm. philosopher who translated shunya as emptiness first. Whereas right, some right. people say it could also have been fullness. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Right. That's true. Yeah. Very good. Mm -hmm. 
and uh, our friend Robert Thurman, who come, uh, talks about it a lot about it around bliss. Some he has that term that relates to you know he he really rails out against people who think nothingness. This is nothing void. He 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 gets very angry about that. And he not talks, angry, no. but he says nothing's not nothing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, right, right. And he relates, he said, it's about bliss. And freedom. Yep. So the, this is more like tantric tradition that uh, union of emptiness and bliss. So meaning is um, when you meditate, there's some different states of the mind some uh, practice with the energy in your body, the prana, bindu, nadi. So prana meaning energy, nadi meaning the, the, the nerves, the, the channels, and uh, bindu meaning the cells, the dot. Um, so when we practice with that, and then that really kind of somehow our, how to say, the energy you go into the center channel and your mind reach the blissful experience, which is beyond concept. Yet, there's example about a child, when the child having a sweet. And if you ask child, can you describe child cannot really describe it, but can experience it. So the, the joy beyond word, uh-huh. the joy beyond concept, beyond concept is empty, but the experience of joy is the, not nothing. Yeah. So union of emptiness and the bliss. Mm. So that's the different way to connect with the awareness itself, the our, uh, the fundamental quality of awareness. And there's another term is what we call emptiness union with the luminosity. So the luminosity here is the awareness, the, sometimes what we call awareness, clarity, luminosity, pristine um, awareness, same meaning. Mm. So the mind beyond concept yet Everything is a present. Some people, they said, oh, you meditate, you, be, you, you if your mind beyond concept, then you become like zombie, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't know who <clears throat> am I, and I don't know who you are. <laughs> <laughs> that is the, not the case. <laughs> uh, so Rinpoche, I remember uh, oh, a retreat years ago. In Minneapolis, yes. I was there, uh, and one student there said, asked you, say, is it Rigpo and this and this and this? And you said, just think, not sleeping. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I went, oh, it was like, wow, yeah. <laughs> yes. It, not sleeping is different than thinking awake. Awake is a concept. But yeah. Not sleeping stops your mind. It's just yeah, 
as long as if you are conscious, then you're okay. Yeah. As long as if you are not fainted. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the sense of the sense of being conscious. Yeah. Although you don't know, although you cannot really find what conscious about. Not necessary to find that, but yeah. there is self, what we call self, -lumin self luminosity, you know. There's always a sense of being present continuously. So when you meditate, many people think, oh, peace, look for peace, or openness, or non-conceptual, or all these experience comes, go up and down, some days peace, next days you might have waterfall experience, what we call waterfall meaning uh -huh. mind become crazy, look like. Uh -huh. But the really important thing is the just sense of being present, connect with that one. And then if your mind become crazy, the crazy is another cloud. And this craziness doesn't do, doesn't stop the awareness. Mm -hmm. Awareness is still free. So you were traveling and you went, yes. I think you first went to Kushinagar mm -hmm. and did you not then start moving towards Himalaya? Yeah. And I to Kushinagar. Yeah. So just tell a little bit of, of how you um, started to integrate this new life completely separate from, from your old life. I mean, you started to integrate uh being there and being and you're talking about being present uh, what was what was that evolvement of your moving through all of these different experiences which were completely new including begging for food right yeah uh, i mean you ran out of money at some point you ran out of rupees so how did this progress where you started to integrate this completely new world and it related to your training yeah, so at the beginning, I have a few thousand rupees. So that I'm buying the train ticket. And then when I reached Kushinagar, I rent a Dharamsala, like guest house. Mm. And then I prepare to go on, on the street, preparing. After three weeks later, all my money is gone. <laughs> So now, no choice. <laughs> I have to be on the street. So then I was on the street. No money to buy food. There's one simple restaurant on the street. Then before I'm getting food, buy food from there. So then I went there. So now all my money is gone. Can you give me any leftover food? So they, they, come, they asked me to come in the evening uh, once once the they close quite early so before the the restaurant closed they asked me to come so i went there and they gave me some leftover food then i ate this leftover food so then i have this diarrhea oh. that uh, night 
maybe food poison or maybe some vi- virus or whatever. Yeah. But that diarrhea continued. Next day, and I become weaker, and uh, and I don't want to eat. Also, there's not there's no how to say. Um, yeah, lost the uh, appetite. Appetite. There's a where I'm staying. There's a pump wheel. What do you call? It? Yeah, water pump. Water pump. Yeah, like hand, yeah. you know, and have to like this. Yeah. And this water come. And when you go there, water already gone. You have to be very fast. <laughs> yeah. So then I did, and I drink this water, and this water is quite good. Come from deep, from the deep ground. Yeah. Drink a lot of water. Then after a few days later, really become weak, my body. And then one afternoon, I had fear. So now I'm going to die. What should I do? Go back, my monastery, back to my monastery. But then just let it be, see, try to accept. So then I just let it be for a while, for a while. Then one day in the morning around maybe around 1, 1 a.m. or something, then I'm beginning to lose now the senses. I cannot see slowly, cannot hear. Mm. And I was meditating, in, remain in awareness, awareness. Awareness. Dissolving, there's a kind of like what we call the experience of the dissolution of element. That you feel like falling, wow, all this. But then in the end, my uh, the sense of awareness become more and more clear. The conceptual mind dissolves, and my body become paralyzed. I don't move my finger, cannot move. Wow. And you're all alone. And then my mind is really become peaceful. There's no time, no front, no back, no up, no down. So peaceful, joyful. The but there's joy, but not really like physical sensation, joy normally, you know. I've I know everything was going on, but it's not like normal. What are you thinking? Normal thinking is our minds looking for their thought, go to there and, and look for, oh, yeah, something like that. But now here is like everything appears like, like mirror, the, uh, the lake, and everything reflects in the pristine lake, right? Mm. So I was there for a long time maybe around six, seven hours, something. Then in the morning, I felt like this, this is not the time for, this is not the end. This is not the last, I mean, the time for me to die, something like that kind of feeling. And that feeling becomes stronger, stronger. Then I felt my body hmm. and begin to move. First hear some sound. And then hear the sound. Mm. So then when I back, I feel so happy, mm. so fresh. Mm. 
before that, I feel like, oh, why I come here? Street is very dirty. There's a lot of dogs around there. Daytime, we are friends. Nighttime, they chase after me, you know, <laughs> if I go to, if I want to pee. <laughs> yeah. You know, we can pee on the bush, near the yeah. bush, and they all chase after me <laughs> in uh, the night. But, uh, but then, then after that, after I back, I feel, wow, I, there's a tree in front of me. And when I look at the tree, the tree looks completely different. Now it's more alive. The leaves are really shining. And so appreciate that being alive. The street become like my home. Wow. But then, then I feel thirst, thirst, want to drink something. I look at the palm water. I stand up, took a few steps. Then I become unconscious, I think. Oh. I fainted. So someone took me in the hospital nearby there. So I woke up in the hospital with the, what do you call it? IV. IV. Uh, IV? IV, yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> <A big. clears throat> yeah. Um, so I stayed there for, I think, one night. Doctor said, you should stay a little bit longer, but then I feel very good. I drink a lot of kind of water with the funny taste. Yeah. So then after that, I thought, oh, maybe I should move to the Himalayas. Uh -huh. So then I moved from Kushinaka to Lata. And someone, someone gave me some money also. Uh -huh. That person took me in the hospital and gave me some money. Uh -huh. Bought another ticket and eventually went to Lata. And then baking food. Mm. Wow. wow. You know, in, in the book you say, there's this one part, suddenly, boom, awareness and emptiness became one, indivisible, just as it always is. But the recognition had never been this complete before. The last shred of cohesion slipped away and the entire universe opened up and became totally unified with consciousness. Right. So this yeah. is, wow. <laughs> wow, beyond wow. <laughs> <laughs> it's a great experience for me. Yeah. It is the most difficult one, but that is the best experience for me. Mm -hmm. I think this is really, really wonderful kind of like experience for me that after that, then the, then it's really become kind of like, before that I have a lot of fear, there's a lot of unsafe, a lot of things. But once you lost that, then you are really, you know, what I call, if you love the world, the world loves you back. Mm. Mm. So then after that, my journey was really wonderful. Mm. Mm. And and then you wrote a book in love with the world. Yeah. Right? This whole experience. Yeah, this is about this experience. Yeah. 
And you've been doing that and spending time with us here in the West, too. So that's great. Uh, I'm hoping, I know Krishnadas has been to several of your uh, teachings and at retreats and so on. I, I hope to be there, too. And uh, we are going to let everybody know. Are You are coming back to America this yes. year? I'm coming to America in May. This book will release on May 7. Mm-hmm. And I will do some book tour, and also I will teach the meaning of book, how to practice mm. the bardo, bardo meditation. Mm. So I will, I'm going to do a lot of course around the bardo meditation. Yes. Oh, wonderful! Right. So we hope to meet up with you there, and we'll we'll put everything up so people can know where you're going to be and join you. That would be thank you, fantastic. And uh, um, so everybody listening, we will have all of these links and links to Rinpoche's book, and not only this book, Joy of Living, which <clears> is a, a wonderful book as well, and schedule and websites, all of that, and not to mention uh, his brothers. <laughs> we have to connect up with them as well. And, yes, thank uh, you. So thank you so much for being here, Rinpoche. Yes, thank you very much. Thank it's you. been just, just wonderful. Thank you very much for both of you. Thank you so much. Namaste. 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 <laughs>